Welcome to the More Life Podcast, where creatives, problem solvers, and entrepreneurs talk about squeezing more out and finding meaning in this crazy thing we call life. Let's dive in. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the More Life Podcast. Today, we have a super uh, special guest in the building. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Uh, we have Dr. Eugene K. Choi uh, in the building, and uh, we're talking, you know, virtually. He's in L.A. I'm in Toronto. Um, but he is a board-certified clinical pharmacist and a transformational mindset coach. Um, and we're going to be talking a lot about, about that and about, you know, people that are high capacity and hard driven leaders and how they operate at the highest levels. Because this is a conversation that I think is super important um, for entrepreneurs, for business owners, for, you know, C-suite level uh, people um, in all types of fields. So, uh, Dr. Choi, please uh, introduce yourself. Let us know more specifically. I know I probably did a mediocre job based on what I know about you, explaining what you do. But maybe, you know, say what's up to everybody and and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. No, you did great. And uh, first off, super, super, super grateful to be here. Um, and I'll just share a, a quick bit about me. Um, basically, long story short, uh, yeah, I, I went into the pharmacy world, um, got very disenchanted with it pretty quickly after a few years. Um and yeah, I was working in the hospital system and then that led me to start a soul searching journey, which led me into filmmaking. Um, got to work with a group, Jubilee Media. Uh, I think they're at over 7 million subscribers today, um, but I was with them when they started off. That taught me a lot about marketing indirectly without even realizing because we worked on multiple viral um, content. The biggest one that I worked on got 23 million views that I edited. Uh, and Wow. Yeah, I got to do a lot of that. So that taught me a lot about how do you share an idea? How do you get an idea that people want to share? How do you share a story that people want to share? So um, one thing led to the other. That led me to my marketing experience. And then eventually I found an opportunity to get trained by a CEO of a multi-million dollar business. So that taught me a lot of business. And he um, hired me onto his team to coach his clients um, that are entrepreneurs. And I just learned by doing. Uh, I've coached hundreds of entrepreneurs now, helped them reach you know levels that I never thought I could help people do uh, in terms of revenue, um, brand, all that good stuff, marketing. Um, so I combined all of that. And then my healthcare background came full circle, which is a thing I'm really passionate about that I bring to leaders and, and sometimes political leaders. Um, is this science, is the brain science. Mm -hmm. So I used my healthcare background to start being able to use my marketing skills to explain something in simple terms. That's yep. easy to understand, easy to implement so that you can start producing some results. And that's neuroscience. How do we activate these parts of our brain that have um, a higher capacity to perform better, uh, to think better, make better decisions? And um, it's easier than you think. And that's what I've been sharing with the world. The first question that comes to mind, and I feel like a lot of people... Um, who hear some of the stuff that you talk about might feel is like, is this real? You know, like is neuroscience, is this, is this data or information actually tangible and practical in my life? Um, and again, as, as, as you know, you know, we're talking to creative entrepreneurs, we're talking to maybe high capacity people. And sometimes we only work or operate in the things that we understand here and now. 
And, the, you know, maybe you're reading Crush It by Gary Vee and you just know if I just push harder, work harder, try harder, longer for more hours than my competition, then my success is eminent, at least to be greater than what I started out with. So I just want like, how do how do you surpass or surmount the skepticism um, and sometimes that you might find the higher up you go in some of these corporate ladders uh, that people might might be, you know, you might be facing uh, when they're talking about, hey, there is some transforma- transformational things that can happen inside the way you start to think that can maybe help you achieve more in your life. You know, that's a great question. And I love it because it's a healthy conversation because um, that, that was one of my gripes. You know, you hear all the experts tell you, this is what you should do and you'll get successful. Um, and it's easy, it's easier, either easier said than done, or you try it for yourself and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So the beauty of, of what I do is it's, I hope it comes off less as like, this is what you should do. And what I'm doing is I'm sharing information and I'm trying to share it in a way where it makes sense to people. And if it makes sense to you, then it should make you willing to try certain things out. Um, Cause you're right. A lot of these things are important. Uh, changing the way you think, because Einstein once said the definition of insanity is doing the That's same right. thing over and over again, over and expecting over. a different result. So if you're going to yeah. keep thinking the same way, you're going to keep producing the same result. So um, in terms of the skepticism, I think the first thing to think about is how curious are you? Um, to try to figure this out. And that's what I try to promote is is a healthy dose of curious conversation. And I'll just share what I've found, what I've found to be transformative for people because, you know, it's it's interesting what you bring up is like one of the things is um, if you work harder, right, then then you'll achieve more. Uh, there's, there's stuff I talk about really deeply about there, uh, about that kind of stuff. But the way to think about it is, you know, if you're going to be skeptical about it, I'll just share from my experience. I have had multiple clients now that were in their 60s, okay? Like this is their later mm-hmm. stages in life. And they accomplish the things that maybe around people in our age work so hard and work our asses off for. Yeah. And they're still frustrated. They're still anxious. They still have their challenges and their issues. And they come to this moment where I got everything I thought I was supposed to get. They had the money, the multi-million dollar businesses, the, everything, right? Like the nice house, the nice car. And they're like, why am I still going through this? So, so what, what that's would be like the to be curious about? Yeah, you know, I I I love that answer. You, I want us to have an open dialogue. You know, I want you to be as real and authentic as as you can on here. But what are some of the things that you find most people are struggling with? Um, because there is like what you were just mentioning with that gentleman who was later in life, he had achieved what the society tells us you're supposed to achieve or what that, uh, uh, what equates to success. What do you see keeping that in mind is like what people are struggling with the most? Is it like that inner fear? Is it like that overzealousness? Is it that we're actually uh, very greedy and we, you know, we never really thought, you know, we're taught how to think uh, empathetically? Um, Because I do genuinely believe a lot of our actions are even subconsciously or subconsciously controlled by our upbringing, cut through, you know, how your parents treated you, cut through your life experiences, and ultimately how you see yourself. So I would love to hear some of your perspective on some of that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a can of worms to go into, but you're exactly <laughs> right. It's um, So one distinction I would make about what you just said was, um, yes, we all have unique life experiences. 
And one of the things that we'll explore together, if you want, on this conversation is I'll say what the truth is. And if if we need to elaborate to help make sense of it, I will. Sure, but sure. the bottom line is you have these life experiences. And the truth is what, what helps you get to your highest level of performance is to be able to understand and take ownership that, yes, these experiences happen, but it's not the experience that's causing the pain or the frustration mm. or the emotion. It's the meaning we attach to the experience, if that makes sense. I'll give an yeah. example. I would get really upset when my daughter's not listening to me. My brain and my thinking, I'm going, oh, it's because she's not listening to me. That's why I'm upset. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's the meaning I'm giving of what it means if she's not listening to me. And if you self-reflect, for me, it was, oh, I'm very sensitive about being perceived as a bad father because I had a rough relationship with my father. Mm. I used to think really angry and resentful thoughts because he left our family when I was a teenager. So I used to think thoughts like, if I'm ever a dad, I'm never going to be a bad dad like him. Mm -hmm. So the moment my daughter's not listening to me, what's my brain doing in fear, right? It's like, hey, look, she's not listening to you. You're being a bad dad just like (laughs) your dad. And I react without thinking and I'm yelling and screaming. And the very thing I would want with my daughter, which is to be deeply connected with her, I'm actually disconnecting. Neurologically speaking, I'm disconnecting from her because I'm viewing her as a threat. And the thing I want, I'm not doing it. So we have to understand that what's going on inside of us, what's going on in here, that's what's causing it versus the actual event that took place, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, And this is where I dive deep into it to explain and how to make sense of it. Yeah. And and. I guess the follow-up is like, so what are the practical ways that you can actually dive deeper? And even, I think we can even save that question for a little bit later. Um, I I would love to start to translate some of um, your ideas, your concepts, some of the things that you're actually seeing success in. um, Talking a little bit more about like, how does that translate into the business world and to... I guess, decision makers, I'm assuming that's who you're working with more. You're not necessarily working with lay workers. You're working people who are making decisions, whether you're you're the CEO, the business owner, or department head, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. How does some of this um, neurological science apply into the practical world of business and marketing? Yes. So the first thing we need to understand is, um, in simple terms, your brain, your nervous system basically operates in one of two places. That's it. Uh, It's these two states. It's what I call a survival state or an executive state, okay? So we need to understand what this is. A survival state is the part of your brain usually triggered by fear, right? Some sort of uh, threat. It it Mm -hmm. it views something as a threat, uh, such as a tiger that's about to eat you. Uh, It's going to go into a reactive mode when you're in the survival state. So you can't think. You're reacting without thinking. Because mm. if you're in a life-threatening scenario and you start thinking, you might die. Yes. So that's the part of your brain. It's meant for preserving your life. Like it's meant to keep you alive. Okay. And it does a very good job when you're actually in life-threatening scenario. Not a not a great job when you're actually not, right? Yep. So um the executive state, this is where you're uh this is where we've evolved as a species. Okay, so it's behind your your head, your prefrontal cortex. Uh, it's part mm-hmm. of your frontal lobe, which, by the way, it is the largest amount uh, of ratio compared to any other species. So our frontal lobe is forty percent of our whole brain. Okay, okay. Um, so this is the part of our brain that has some amazing capabilities. Okay, there's a ton of them. I'll just list a couple as an example. There's critical thinking comes from there. Okay, mm-hmm. your innovation skills, your creativity comes from there. Your decision making skills, your problem um, solving skills, and our empathy, your ability to connect some, with someone. Because when you're in survival, yeah. you're not 
they're being empathetic, yeah. right? Oh, I that's wonder how true. this tiger that's trying to eat me is doing. <laughs> I wonder if his parents are feeding him. Okay. We're literally not empathetic when in survival. So here's the big problem. Research shows that more or less, on average, at least 70% of our adult lives, we're in survival. We're wow. cut off from the part of our brain where our creativity can be accessed, our critical thinking skills, our empathy can be accessed. We're cut off from that. So this is why is this important in business as leaders? If your decision-making skills, your problem-solving skills, you're not accessing it to its highest ability, you're going to make mistakes or you're going to yeah. hurt the business instead of growing the business. And we need to understand that this is true, that for about 70% of our life, we're there. One thing to reflect about, think about it. If you were to sit there and think to yourself, how often do you feel stressed? How often do you feel frustrated, upset, resentful, anxious, worried? Guess what? Your brain's going to go into survival. Do you know why? Research shows that emotional pain can uh, be just as painful as physical pain in the way it's processed in the brain at times. So your brain can't help but perceive, your survival brain can't help but perceive these uncomfortable emotions as a threat. So you immediately go into survival and now you're in a reactive mode without thinking. A lot more often than you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you have to think about at a psychological level, how safe do you feel? I mean, man, like, you know, I, I read this survey once. And they surveyed a group of people and they asked a very simple question, which was, who's got your back? And 65% of the group said nobody. And you know what was even more shocking? 55% of the people who said nobody has their back, they were married. Wow. So you have to think to yourself, how safe do you feel? Because if you do not feel safe, your brain's going to feel threatened. And now you can't access your critical thinking centers. You can't access your problem-solving skills. You can't access your empathy. You're going to be in a self-protective state where you're only looking out for yourself. To try so to how do people yourself. feel more centered? How do they feel, like like you say, safe? You know, How do they feel grounded and be like, hey, I know where I am. I know who I am. I know, you know the calling on my life or what I'm, my purpose for my life. How do people tap into that to be like, okay, this is where I know I need to be. And because I understand the concept of if I am grounded and rooted and more uh, um, centered with the world, then I'm going to be able to have to worry about those things less. And I have more opportunity to think about the things that I want to think about, which what you described, you know, the critical thinking of the creativity, which is the stuff that I do, you know, creative on demand, all that type of stuff. I can offer myself more, but I know the feeling as well of being, feel like you're living in constant chaos and feel like you're not necessarily rooted or grounded in anything. Or as you said, nobody's really got your back. So how do we go from the one stage to the next stage? Yeah, and, and this is such an important um, statement you're making. You know, I mean, the greatest leaders in the world, if one thing you notice about them is they're calm in the chaos. The business could be burning up in flames, but they're cool as a cucumber because yeah. they know that that's important to be able to access these parts of themselves that can actually serve and solve the problem. And, you know, me coming from the hospital system, I used to I used to be the guy that at the, at the trauma center. Like I'm the guy when, mm. when you hear that ambulance going, I'm the guy there already drawing up the life-saving drugs to give it to the doctors and the nurses. Um, the best doctors I've seen, even though there's literally a dying person on the table, they're calm, they're collected. They're not freaking out so that they can maintain their composure. Um, so it's a three-step process. How do, you, how, do you, how do you develop this skill? It's a three-phase process that I bring people through. Um, the first part of the process is it's awareness. You know what? Like a lot of us, we're not even aware 
that we're in survival. We think it's our conscious. Yeah. We, we think we're just normal. It's normal for us. But a lot of people aren't even aware that they're in it. So they're, they, you know, I don't know if you're a fan of the matrix, but a lot of people aren't of aware course. that they're in the, in the matrix. <laughs> so it's the awareness that helps you step out of the matrix. And that's the first step because one thing I often say is imagine you have a piece of broccoli stuffed between your teeth. How do you have the power to remove it unless it comes into your awareness? Someone has to point it out to you or you have to be able to see it in the mirror. So that's phase one. That's the first thing I bring everyone through is a, is a journey of awareness of what does survival even look like? Because a lot of people don't know what it actually looks like. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the second process is training and education. Um, just like you can learn a skill, um, you can learn how to rewire these parts of your brain that aren't serving you. Uh, it's just, you're not born with a manual on how to use it. We just use it. Right. So what's exciting is neuroscience. We know more about the brain than we ever did before 20 years ago. And there's a lot more research, a lot of scans that have been done that show some really compelling evidence on how you can actually start turning that survival off so that you can activate the executive state more often. Uh, So it's education and training is step two. And then step three is just implementation. You have to apply what you've learned and then you'll experience the benefits for yourself. And that's the journey I bring people through is that three phase process. Okay, that's that's. It's very powerful to see it like cleared out because it's a showed out this way because I feel like some people need that almost like a Sherpa, someone who's going to, I know how to get where you need to go. Um, (laughs) You know, I've been here before. I know how to get you there. Like those people that bring people on on Mount Everest and like, hey, I know the routes. I know how I can help you get to where you need to go. And I see this now more and more, uh, more popular people talking more openly about mentors, about people talking about mental health, people talking about finding um, what makes them actually tick and, you know, that self-reflection. Those things are very popular in the circles that I run through right now that I run with, the people that are business leaders, that are entrepreneurs, that are trying to do something greater than just something for themselves. Because I think you can't continue to expect the uh, exponential growth or compounded growth without first understanding where you yourself stand and how you're going to leverage your unique set of abilities for what, you know, some would call even like your God-given purpose. So like, okay, if you have a purpose in this world, you used to first need to understand who you are, what you are, and how you are then going to offer it up to, to the world. Yes. And I, I feel like you're always, you know, you're dealing with people who are, um, high-level decision makers who live in the very practical landscape where things are, you know, it's, it's P&L reports, profit and loss. It's, you know, it's marketing and strategies. It's business meetings and conference calls. How do you disarm them into a space where they start to understand science and nuance um, to, to help them in, in this type of, I guess, transformation of how they can leverage themselves for themselves. Right. And uh, if you think about like the biggest downfalls, whether it's scandals or mistakes that are made in leadership, uh, it really is because of survival. Um, Because guess who the focus is on when you're in survival? It's yourself. Right. Which, by the way, when you're talking about your yep. God-given purpose, your, your calling, whatever you want to call it, your mission in life, you can't connect with it in survival, by the way. 
You can't figure it out because survival is so focused on yourself, purpose, mission, passion, all that. It's something greater than yourself. You're trying to serve something larger than yourself, such as your organization, right? Or your community. And you can't do that in survival because you're doing it for yourself only when you're in survival, right? It's self-motivated. So that's where mistakes get made. That's where scandals get made. That's where things that we regret saying get said or decisions we make that we regret making. It's because we did it in our own self-interest because we're afraid, right? Right. So we don't, who wants leaders like that? Right. Um, And that's where Ponzi (laughs) schemes happen. Like you look at all the biggest downfalls and scandals. It's, it's a result of survival, by the way. So, um, how do you, how do you deal with that with a lot of people who are, um, doing big things? It's number one is to be able to be aware of this. Uh, You need to develop your skill to be able to even know if you're in survival or not, because then you're not accessing, remember, you're not accessing the the part of your brain that you want that can help you. So how do I bring people through awareness? The conversation I have first is, Let's just look at what it looks like, okay? In a life-threatening scenario, it's very obvious. If a tiger's mm-hmm. in front of you about to eat you or a gun's pointed mm-hmm. at your head, uh, yeah. it, your, your survival brain, remember, it doesn't know how to think. It, just know how to, it knows how to react without thinking. It only knows how to react in three ways. It's called fight, flight, freeze, okay? In a yeah. life-threatening scenario, it's obvious. You're going to pick up a weapon to fight. You're going to try to defend yourself and fight, right? Uh, flight is you're going to run for your life. You're going to run away because <laughs> you're under threat. And freeze is analogous to playing dead. Uh, Possums are actually very famous for doing this because their predators like their food alive. So if they pretend to be dead, they actually stay alive because they don't get eaten. So humans, uh, remember, we live in the survival state 70% of our adult life. Mm -hmm. But we're not running away from saber-toothed tigers for 70% of our adult (laughs) life. What we're surviving from are emotions that feel uncomfortable. So we need to be able to look at what does survival actually look like when we're surviving emotionally from these uncomfortable feelings. So fight, I'll give a couple of examples. Um, Fights can be, the obvious ones can be, if you ever see someone get road rage and they get cut off and now they've flip their lid, they're upset and they're trying to fight back and cut the other person back off. Remember, they've lost control of their mind at that point. Their survival, it's a reaction without thinking because they're so upset, uh, whether it's because their ego got hurt. And now they're behaving in an erratic way, regardless of the danger they're putting the other cars around them in, right? By driving the way they're doing, right? Their empathy's turned off, right? They don't care about these other cars. They just want to hurt the other person back. Or if someone says something hurtful to you, and now you're getting defensive and you're fighting back. Those are obvious ones. You see, the thing that a lot of people are less aware of are the more subtle ones, okay? I'm going to prove to you what this looks like. Um, a lot of leaders, by the way, are big-time fighters in reaction, okay? <laughs> so the need to be right is a survival mm-hmm. tactic, by the way. Uh, yeah. Whether it's because some sort of ego got hurt or there's a meaning attached in the brain about not being right, right? It means that you're stupid or less than or not good enough right. or whatever. We carry exactly. a lot of that in our brains. Um, the need, a perfectionism is a fight response, okay? Uh, people pleasing is a fight response. Interesting. Right? To, to people please, to, to fight to get affirmation from someone. Or acknowledgement. Yeah, That's yeah. why we people please. Uh, and we do things we don't want to. And we just say yes when we want to say no. Uh, so that's people pleasing as a fighting tactic. Uh, another one is the the need to prove yourself to mm. someone or to yourself. You have to ask yourself, mm-hmm. why do you need to prove anything? It's because you, we already usually carry a doubt about ourselves or a negative opinion or some sort of low self-esteem thought about ourselves. And we yeah. feel the need to prove ourselves to be worthy or good enough or X, Y, Z, right? So um, that's where hustle culture gets very misinterpreted, right? 100%. Hustle culture that's what I was thinking in my mind right fight. now. Okay. So a lot of our leaders are in fight mode. And I'm going to tell you right now, fight always, always leads to burnout. 
And it always, always leads to a lack of fulfillment. Um, I, I will stand by that 100%. And I'm going to give you two compelling examples because people would debate with me on this. I, I, okay. I, I'm going to dwell, I'm going to sit with this for a little bit because a lot of leaders are big time fighters. So this is the thing to become aware of. Uh, I'll give an example. One client, the one I mentioned earlier, where he was in his 60s, had everything that you could imagine someone would want on paper, right? The nice house, the multi-million dollar, multi-million dollar business, all that stuff. Yeah. He's sitting there and I'm talking about the fight response and he has this moment of realization going, oh, wait, no wonder I'm so unfulfilled because I've been in the fight mode my whole life. I'm like, well, yeah, well, tell me more. He's like, well, I always felt the need to prove myself to everyone that I'm better than my older brother. That's what I'm realizing now. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Well, my older brother was an NFL football player. Okay. In high school, my football coach told me, stop trying. You're never going to be as good as him. Ooh. And he still so when that. you're hurt, that's hurtful. Now you're in a fight mode. You're defensive. So what do you do your whole life? You fight to accomplish more. You fight to do wow. more. More money, more accomplishments, more stuff. And here you are one day you wake up decades later and you're going, how did I get here? This is not where I wanted to be. I think I climbed the wrong mountain. Yeah, yeah. So we need to be aware of when we're in this fight mode. Is it? Are you in the mode of needing to prove yourself to someone? Because you, that's usually a reflection that you don't accept yourself the way you are mm -hmm. anyway to begin with. Um, and that's, that's what fight looks like. And, you know, I had another client really debate me on this. He's like, you need, you need the fight though sometimes, don't you? I'm like, no, unless your life is actually in danger, uh -huh. you, you don't need it. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I hit rock bottom. He was sharing with me. I was, I was well into my adult years and I hit rock bottom. We ran out of money. My second wife was leaving me because she cheated on me. The first oh wife cheated on me too, by the way. And I was still responsible for over $2,000 a month in child support. And I had no money left. I literally was grabbing the pocket change that I could find in my house, going to the supermarket where you exchange the pocket change for cash. And all I had was like $5. And then my son Whoa. asks me for ice cream and I was so pissed off. I'm like, why? Because your son's asking you for ice cream? He's like, no, because I didn't have enough for my own ice cream. I only could buy one for him. <laughs> and he was like, that was the day. I had to fight. I had to fight so hard. I kept my head down and my shoulder up and I had to bash through brick wall after brick wall to get to where I'm today because he built a business from scratch to a Inc. 5000 fastest growing company in America, right? Multi-million dollar business. He's like, I needed that fight. And it's a very compelling argument, right? Because that's mm, what people sounds good. It sounds, it sounds good. great. So, and I was just like, look, I want to do a thought exercise. This is not about what you should have, would have, could have done because the past is the past. You can't change the past. But I just want to do a thought exercise. I was like, what if, what if because you trained yourself to get into the executive state and you're accessing these higher performing parts of your brain at will, it's what gives you the ability for, even if it's just for a moment, because he was saying, you know how he's putting his head down and his shoulder up and he's just bashing mm -hmm. the brick wall. What if even if it's for a moment, it helps you put your shoulders down and your head up? And then you have this big aha moment. Oh my goodness, these brick walls that I thought was the only option that I had to bash through, it was only three feet wide. Wow. Meaning there's so many other ways to get to the destination I wanted yeah, to get I could, to. I, I could have went it. around. That's what happens when you're in survival is you literally get tunnel vision. Think about it. If a tiger walks into your room right now, are you going to look anywhere else except where that tiger Absolutely is? Absolutely not. You're I'm not going to look anywhere else. So this is where as leaders... It is toxic and damaging to the organization because if you're a leader that's in tunnel vision and you're in that fight mode, 
right? You don't this see, is when people's feelings get yeah. hurt. People don't get hurt. People get, right? Like a lot of mistakes get made. And your job as a leader is to see the big picture. Exactly. Exactly. When you get Ooh. into executive state, you can see the whole picture now. And there's a saying that we need to learn how to work smarter, not harder, right? Yeah. When you're in survival, you're only working harder. But it doesn't mean you're working smarter because your thinking, your critical thinking skills are not on when you're in this fight mode. What is a practical skill we can do as leaders when you feel that creep of survival is coming, where you feel like, okay, there's chaos happening at home and the business thing is happening and I'm yep. just responding, I'm just reacting, I'm just yep. trying to get through things. Um, you know, and, and this this is real for me. My life is very uh, busy and stressful at times. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's also, uh, uh, something where I'm like, okay, I, I start to realize what you're saying here, where my executive skills are not necessarily being tapped into and I'm allowing that survival mode to run my life and you start feeding it without you even understanding that you're feeding it. Correct. You're feeding it with caffeine. You're feeding it with your, your behavior. You're feeding it more with how you spend your time off when you should be trying to calm down or, or trying to reset. Um, but you're not doing those things because maybe you're just vegging on the couch and, or you're doing any Correct. other type of thing. So how do we practically, when you feel your yeah. world is becoming more stressful? That's a great question. So yeah, I mean, the first phase is awareness. So this is why we have to have yeah. that conversation of what does survival even look like, right? So we like in detail, I'm talking like specifically so that you know exactly what it is. And it has to be without judgment. You have to keep looking at it without judgment because it's easy to get harder on yourself. Judgment, by the way, uh, is a survival tactic too, right? It's, it's the same reason why people gossip. It's because I carry insecurity about myself. My survival yeah. tactic is to fight and put someone else down in efforts to try to make me feel better about myself. It's the same reason we judge, whether it's ourselves or other people. So if you know what the fight response looks like, you also need to know what the flight and freeze looks like, right? Flight, right. obvious ones is like procrastination, right? It's usually a survival state of mm -hmm. what if I do this now and I screw up? What if I do this now and people think of me a certain way? It's a fear-based motivator to soothe yourself from the fear and you put it off for later, the task that needs to be done mm. now. So procrastination is a classic flight response. Um, the more subtle ones, I again have to highlight, there's no judgment around this. Everyone mm. has their flight response here. It's when we start to numb ourselves. It's an intentional distraction. Some people Got like it. to binge watch Netflix and distract themselves. Some people like to eat a tub of ice cream. Some people overindulge in things like alcohol, sex, and drugs, basically to numb and flee from the emotion that you don't like feeling. You see what I'm saying there? Uh, wow. By the way, people flee to work. A lot of leaders, right? Business owners, they use it's work. control, to, right? Right. Their I, relationships in the house might be breaking apart, yes. but at least they can go back to their work and stay busy uh, to keep their mind off the emotional discomfort that they're experiencing. So fleeing is how we flee in emotional survival. And freeze is uh, inaction, when you stop taking action. Uh, one humorous uh, example of freeze is when you get caught in a lie your eyes wide open and you literally freeze. <laughs> it's your brain yeah. going, hey, play dead right now. Maybe if you pretend yeah. to not exist, this person will stop interrogating you. But it's I so obvious it. now that you got caught in the lie, right? It's a tell Facts. that, oh, you got caught in the lie. So um, that's a classic freeze response uh, where it gets more subtle is when you wake up in the morning, you don't want to get out of bed. You're just in action. It usually occurs when you're overwhelmed, when you're too stressed out, too many things, yeah. it feels like too many things on your plate. So we don't take action. So that's the freeze response. So how do we get out of this? That's the first thing to understand is we need to look at what it actually looks like. So I tell clients to play that awareness game, whether it's in yourself or in other people, just 
bring enough attention to it because you look at something enough times at some point you're going to go, I want something different this time. Cause I see the mm. pattern. I see the repetitive behavior. I finally see it and I can see why there, there's an actual survival state here. And I recognize that when I'm in there, I'm not accessing the best part of myself. So you need yeah. to keep looking at it. So I tell people to make it a game. Oh, that person got cut off on the road. There's the fight response that Dr. Eugene was talking about, right? Yeah. Or, oh, there's me procrastinating again. Uh, there's me fleeing again because I'm afraid of what people might think of me if I do this now versus later because I don't feel ready. So just being aware of it is step one. Step two, right, the second part of the process is understanding and educating yourself on how the brain works. Because if you're... We're not born with a manual. We just need to learn some basic things about it. I don't go too much into jargon or all that kind of stuff. I just keep it really simple. And that's the thing to understand is first thing, your brain only operates in one of two states. You want to get into that executive state as much as possible. It's when you're relaxed. It's when you're, right? It's it's when you're feeling clear and calm and collected. And it's a skill that you can do. So we have to understand the first thing though is your brain, by the time you're about 35 years old, 90-95% 90-95% of the brain becomes subconscious. So what does that mean? It's on autopilot. Your brain develops programming. So just like you can automate in marketing a sales oh, model, right? Yeah, yeah. Your brain does automation too. And it's for efficiency purposes and survival purposes, right? There's multiple purposes for it, but I'll highlight those two. It's like, think about this. You don't go down the stairs going left foot, I need to put my right foot now. My left foot. <laughs> we just do it without thinking, right? Yes. But what most people don't realize is because of our unique life experiences, we do thinking on autopilot. We believe things on autopilot. You see what I'm saying? Wow. The wow. I'm not good enough, the I don't matter, the right? I'm, uh, people don't support me or the negative thinking. It's all on autopilot because you've done it so many times. Now your brain does it without thinking. And you wake up in the morning and you think the same negative thoughts, you think the same, you feel the same negative feelings because your brain has gotten programmed that way. So here's the good news. It's just programming. It's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're an idiot. It's not because you're not good enough. Your brain just got programmed a certain way. That's it. Let yourself off the hook. You're not stupid. You're not, you're not incapable. And we, if we just simply learn how to tap into that programming then you'll be able to get into that executive state on a more moment-to-moment basis. So it's just starting to train yourself to understand these things. So you have to understand that your brain just has programming, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's your brain has autopilot. I, mean, I think there's so many examples of this, right? You drive one day and the next thing you know, your, your mind dozed off and then you're like in front of your house, you're like, how did I get here? I don't remember how yeah. I got here. That's your autopilot kicking in, okay? So... That's the thing to understand. We do the negative beliefs, the negative perspectives on autopilot because of the meanings we've attached to our life experiences, like we mentioned earlier, right? You, if, you, if you watch your parents struggle in their relationship, you might form a belief about life, right? So you might form a belief about life if your parents struggle with a relationship that relationships are hard. Right? Or you grow right. up struggling to make money, so you might form a belief that money is hard to make. And then your brain reinforces that um, belief to the point it becomes programming in your brain. Right, right. Sorry, Dr. Troy, I know my camera just went off here. I don't know what You're happened, good. but I, I'm, still, I'm still here. I'm still listening. All good. <laughs> um, this is, this is uh, I think, life-changing for people who get it. It might be interesting for those who are curious. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, something I'm really, really interested in. In understanding, uh, I guess even understanding ourselves, um, yes. the the thought process, the 
neuropathy, that how that works from our feelings to our minds to our actions. And I think as a creative and as an entrepreneur, for people that listen to this show, I think it's very important to understand how these things work together to help with what you might consider are your life goals. Because some people have, you know, I want to do X, Y, Z one day. But the best way to do that is going to be to understand some of these concepts, especially understanding the survival mode versus the executive mode and being able to identify these different instances in your life. I think that's going to be extremely key to at least helping you see where there could be improvements, see how you can maybe need to ask for help. Um, all these things work together. And in the More Life podcast, we're, we're really trying to leverage as much information as we know, as much uh, uh, data as we feel we might understand that there still could be even more that we might be new to us that can help us achieve our goals. Uh, uh, Dr. Eugene, I want to make sure people can find you. I'm so thankful that you were able to be here today with us. Um Where can people find you? Where are some of the resources that you have or how can they speak with you uh, uh, to hire you or or whatever courses you might be you might be offering? Yeah, absolutely. So I have my homepage, destinyhacks.co. And on there is a free training that you can access that you can sign up for Um, that goes over some of the things you mentioned earlier is what are some tips and tools to get yourself out of survival when you're realizing you're in it? So I give some kind of quick tips and tools in there. Uh, and you can kind of find more information there. Um, the other thing that I'm excited about that I'm releasing right now, it's going to be on neurohackingcourse.com mm. uh, is, a, is a training course that you can uh, invest in that goes much deeper into the science to be able to learn about all of this, how your brain works, how to start rewiring these parts of your brain that you need to rewire so that you can continually start to focus better, get more clarity, perform better, and ultimately feel a lot better. And um, that's what I'm releasing um, that will be up on that site. Awesome. We'll put those into the show description as well. And just to clarify, uh, these are things that you can do on your own. These are courses that, you know, you walk people through and they can make their own notes and they can, you know, dive deeper into these lessons. It's not necessarily that you, uh, it's like, um, I don't want to liken it to therapy, but it's not like you have to find like a personal coach or therapist who walks beside you and helps you with these things. But these are things that can become discovered and revealed to you um, through learning, through reading, through understanding the, okay, this is excellent. I would encourage everybody who maybe feels like they are in survival mode, people maybe feel like they're scattered or living in a life of chaos to go check out uh, Destiny Hacks. Check out all the links in the description below. Uh, Dr. Eugene Choi, super thankful that you were able to come today. Love the topic. Uh, Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thanks so much for having me. It was an honor. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, That's it, guys. Welcome to the More Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, Sign up, subscribe, like, and follow. Do all the things. We, We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.